I like that hat. Hey, dude, I love these old school, like retro hunting hats. I absolutely love them. Yeah, it's like uh, you're a lot younger than me, but I wish one thing I'd have done a better job at is keeping my dad's hat collection, man. I can't imagine having the ones that I used to think were goofy. I can't imagine having them now. I wish I had every one of them. Yeah, I know. And what's crazy is like, dude, they're outrageously expensive. I know. It's crazy. The vintage stuff, it's just high price now. I know. It's outrageous. <laughs> but it's 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 almost like um, you got to be careful when you wear it because you don't want to be looked at somebody that – like I, if I wear like a concert shirt, you know, like – did you really go to that concert or did you go like I went to a store in New York that was all vintage and they had Bo Cifa stuff. And I mean, I found a Garth shirt from a concert I went to and had that same shirt, but wore it out and it still had my hometown on the back. So I bought it and I'm like, this is still vintage to me because I was at that show. But man, I yeah. wanted to buy, I wanted to buy every one of them vintage shirts, you know, the Dwight Yoakams and the Bo Cephas and the Brooks and Dunn and just all the concerts I went to as a kid but I don't have those. I don't have them anymore. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. No, I. <laughs> Did you? Uh, do Do you? One of the things I know about you is that you are a big Bo Cephas fan, right? Oh yeah, I love Hank Jr. Did you grow up on him with your dad, your grandpa? Did they were they blasting him all the time? Honestly, what's weird is my mom listened to Hank Jr. more than anybody else. But what your mom was the fan was she, where's your mom from my mom's from eastern kentucky so like everybody in my whole family is from eastern kentucky except for me so i kind of grew up around bluegrass and stuff like that but my mom loves like i mean merle haggard keith whitley Bo cephas stuff like that uh but she still loves bluegrass too but what's weird is my mom's like a walking jukebox if there's a if there's a country song out there, you give her about five seconds to listen to the intro, and she'll tell you exactly what it is. That's good stuff. I I think myself and my brothers are like that. We take a long road trip, like we'll drive up to Canada uh, every year to hunt ducks and geese up there north of the border, and that's you know, that's thirty hour drive. And the whole way, the people that are riding with us are like, "Y'all need to shut up," because every song that comes on the on prime country, not really the new highway stuff, but which we'll get into. Um, but yeah, man, when we hear Bo Cephas or Ricky Skaggs or um, Merle Haggard or Waylon or Willie and David Allen Cohen, just the people that Don Williams, the people that we grew up on. And then you get into like the eighties and then the late eighties and the hat pack and the Travis Trent's and the chestnuts and the Tracy birds and the AJs. And, and it just, it just was an amazing um, childhood growing up on country music and now all of those songs are like computered like programmed into my head in my brother's head like like a robot you know like if Shenandoah comes on or Diamond Rio people are like how do you know the words to these songs and I'm like because we've been listening to them for like 30 years you know oh yeah so funny story I watched I was uh I'm trying to think what state I was in I think I was in Kansas playing uh we were playing a main stage um uh, i want to say it was it was a, it was a bigger concert don't quote me on what it was but it was it wasn't country thunder but it was something like that you know and um uh, anyways 
we were backstage and we were, we were actually walking to catering. I watched this bus pull in and I looked and I was like, that is not Marty Rayburn, like driving his own bus right there. Sure enough, it was. Marty was driving his own bus in there from, you know, Shenandoah. He was driving his own bus in there. Really? And I was like, yeah, that's baller. Yeah, that's cool as shit. <laughs> I talked to him after he, cause I mean, he parked his bus and he came into catering too. And I was like, Hey, was, was that you driving that bus? He was like, yeah, I got my, I got my CDL so I can drive my own bus. <laughs> well, that's, that's kind of, um, another story that comes to mind is the rock band from the eighties, late seventies, eighties, Iron Maiden. Um, are you a rock and roll fan as well? Were you a heavy metal fan? Were you an eighties rock fan? Have you gotten into any of that at all? I haven't yet. Not really. Yeah. Well, Iron Maiden was a big like theatrical band. You know, they their stage show was like their lyrics were kind of they were different. They were like they had a different reputation of being kind of a a, a real heavy band that 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 talked about things like the devil. So like people, they had this reputation to where a lot of people didn't get into them because of that. But worldwide, they had this huge following. Well, Bruce Dickinson, the lead singer. He goes out and becomes a pilot. And now in the last 15 years, he's flies them to every one of their world shows in a 747 or a 757. He can't drink like uh, anything, which I don't even know if they party anymore or not. But being a rock star or a country singer, you got to make take that into consideration. Your days of drinking and late night and after parties and pre-gaming and all that, they're over when you take that responsibility. This guy's literally getting in a 747 or 757, like I said, and flying his band and crew from like from like Asia over to Europe or something, you know, like he's the real deal flying a big ass jet and he's the lead singer of the rock band. <laughs> That's baller, right? That is baller. And I'm talking like these guys sell out huge soccer stadiums. Their worldwide presence was big. So anyway, when you mentioned that truck driving stuff, it made me think about Iron Maiden. But um, one of the bands that I'm really into in the country, and I'm good friends with the lead singer and, and several of the band members, is Whiskey Myers. Um, oh. You a fan? I love Whiskey Myers. Like. Uh, I think I actually think we have a show coming up together. It's uh, me, Trey Lewis, Whiskey, and Co. on it, okay. and I think Georgia. So that'll really? be fun. Yeah. Where's that at? Honestly, I don't know. I, I just know it's somewhere in Georgia. It's like the uh, Georgia Georgia Country Music Fest or something like that. Do you know when it is? <sighs> Don't quote me on this. I want to say it's like, I want to say it's in October. I'm not 100% sure, but I think it's in October. October. Well, I'm going to try to make it. I'll be in Canada for part of October, like I told you about. But um, they're an incredible band. Before we get off of this this deal about pilots and drivers and all, you know, Jamie Johnson, he's, he flies himself to all his shows. Yeah. Yeah. So I know. I know uh, I was actually talking to Dustin Lynch a couple of weeks ago and he had flew in and then I guess like a rental car or something, he literally just pretty much drove across the road from a regional airport uh, to the venue. And uh, Clay Walker, actually, we were on a show in, um, we were on a show together in Detroit 
And Clay Walker actually lives kind of close to me, and he offered me a ride in his in his plane uh, to come. That's so cool. I love Clay Walker. Yeah. I like what's going on in country music before we get back to Whiskey Myers, but I like how, um, you know, Tracy Lawrence was out with Al Dean some, and Travis Tritt was out with Brooks and Dunn, and he was also just out with um, – a, a couple other big shows with Eric Church. I like how these the the guys that are having the top, you know, the the radio presence right now, and they're selling out arenas. They're they're still paying homage and bringing those acts back. Cole did it with Jody Messina, which she had a huge hit with Heads Carolina Tales California, whatever that. I can't remember the exact title, but he comes back and whether you like his new version of that song, that's not the same song. It's about that song. You got to love the fact that it kind of gave rebirth to Jody and her fan. She got to play that song in front of a new fan, a bunch of new fans. You know what I mean? Well, and I think that's what's so cool. Kind of like you said, like these, these new guys that are having so much success, they are, they're giving credit or credits due and bringing those people back out because I mean, the fact of the matter is like, you know, let's hope, you know, I get I get all these number ones. If Merle Haggard were still around, I can assure you I would want Merle Haggard on those shows with me. That'd be so cool, man. Have, have, him, uh, have him play a little bit of uh, That's the Way Love Goes and bring you out to do a little duo with him on uh, I'll Just Stay Here and Drink. You know, just like. What's that, your favorite Merle Haggard song? Oh, God, you would ask me that because, like, I'll hear, like, Rainbow Stew and, like, get goosebumps, but – that the, the the timeless one and i love them all like i am a huge merle fan okay like i think that the finest voice of all time in country music i think the number one country music artist of all time is hank williams jr like he's my oh. he's my cloud floating above the mount rushmore okay but yeah. merle merle what he did for country music and also waylon and i think willie's willie's good but as far as voice goes I can't get over the very first opening line of that's the way love goes when I've been throwing horseshoes over my left shoulder. When I hear that song, I try to put myself in Merle's shoes of what he was going through to write a song like that. And what does it mean? What does that even mean to throw that horseshoe or is he saying whore's shoes? Like he's got this whore there and he's throwing her shoes over his shoulder. Like there's all these theories of who Merle was and what he was doing. And you know what I mean? I see you laughing, but I can't tell what he says in that line. Well, that's just one of the mysteries of Merle, you know? Yeah. And have you seen, so I'm, I'm like a huge geek when it comes to like live performances and I like, I'm constantly, I don't watch TV that much, hardly at all. And I just get on YouTube instead and I watch live performances of all these people. My favorite Merle Haggard song by far is Misery and Gin. Oh, God, dang it, dude. I was, I love that you said that because it kind of ties in to who we were talking about right before with Jamie. Like Jamie Johnson is in my Mount Rushmore. His voice his album, that lonesome song. I don't think there's a better all around country album, song to song. There's some as good, but I don't think there's any better than that no. that album, song to song. <clears throat> um, but I got to go on stage, side stage during vocal warm ups and sound check one night with Jamie mm-hmm. and him in the band, and he choreographed Misery and Gin, Shane. 
And I'm talking, if you want to see a perfectionist at work, it's Jamie Johnson. They did it 19 to 25 times, somewhere in there. And he would hit a note and he'd stop the band. He'd be like, dot, 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 and he'd choreograph it. And then they'd come back and then he nails it. And then when he when you hear him do Misery and Gin, you're just like, he he does a Merle song on every set, I believe, of every show that he does. He's done several of them. But when he does Misery and Gin, I've heard, and you know more about music than I do, but I've heard it's a very difficult song to get right. Misery and Gin, I, I can imagine that. Um, hell, I had trouble playing it on my acoustic, just me. Um, but, man, have you heard him do Set Him Up, Joe? Oh, yeah, Vern Gosden. I had, that was on one of his albums. I've seen him do it live, too. Yeah, 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 yeah. His live Set Him Up, Joe, is just... Is he magic? Yeah. Is Jamie Johnson magic or what? Dude, so there's... Well, let me say this. There's so much talent in Nashville where, I mean, even... Look, even if you decided me and you wanted to have some beers tonight and we were like to go to Broadway and just say we were walking down Broadway, you could walk in any one of those bars and every single one of those people are doing what they're doing, working those long hours for a small chance of getting to do what I'm getting to do for a living. And I'm I'm beyond blessed, you know, and it's like, man, out of all this talent in nashville how did i get this lucky and then you see people like jamie johnson and you're like i don't even deserve to pick up a guitar you know (laughs) but but it's cool that you recognize that and i know and you've got talent which we're going to get into like big time talent you're with big machine correct yes sir like that's not a joke like scott bruschetta and big machine i mean like that this is like we're talking the who's who of music row and the real deal of of whether it was you know i could name the artist but i mean that's legit right so congrats on this but what you're saying is is it stands very true to me because i want real talent to be recognized and and when you're in nashville now a lot of the things that you hear is it's a 10-year town is the real talent there it took laney wilson 12 years to get a song on the radio how long right. does it take do people cut in line because they win a talent show or they got a really big tiktok following there's all this stuff going on and are people really paying their dues are they doing what alan did and what randy travis did of being a dishwasher at the nashville palace and then getting his chance to get up on stage and then all of a sudden forever and ever amen and digging up bones and all of these on the other hand songs that that I could sit and listen to all day long, the world got to hear because he had true, true, true talent. Like there's some songs I hear on today's country radio, which like brings me back to whiskey Myers. If you listen to Cody cannon, sing a song that he wrote, there's nothing better than stone or ballad of a Southern man or frog man or rear view or you know rear view serenade and there's all these songs virginia you could keep going down the line like does the world get to hear whiskey myers because they're not on country radio they got a cult following but that's mad talent and it's almost like why isn't somebody in nashville not doing what it takes to have that or is whiskey just kind of like cody jinxon being like look we're rolling on our own we're good on our own yeah i mean it's it's definitely a question that needs to be answered and i wish i had all the answers for it because it's like well i mean just like we were talking with whiskey and jamie you know i'm a firm believer jamie should still be at the top of the list with with some of the best like he should be it 
like you said, Jamie's like up here. He's he's the Mount Rushmore, but it's like he had amazing success with you know in color and and the album that followed that. But it's like, man, why is Jamie Johnson not selling out Nissan Stadium? It's 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 well. Here's how I see it. And it's all due because of how the business promotes the people they want to promote. Like it took, this might be wrong, but I think it took Justin Timberlake to get Chris Stapleton to be noticed by the masses when they came out and did those two songs of Tennessee whiskey and, and, and and my, and a few of my friends by Justin, when they did that on the, on the, on the award show, um, Chris Stapleton, lead singer of the Steel Drivers. He's in Nashville for years. All of a sudden, Traveler comes out and gets album of the year. The guy gets on stage with Timberlake, and the whole world goes nuts for him. But, dude, Jamie Johnson is Chris Stapleton, man. That voice that Jamie had all the way from his young days when he financed his first album and then came out with The Dollar and that album and then that Lonesome Song. Jamie made that album, The Lonesome Song, without a record label. He went and did it on his own, and then it got shopped around. Like, Jamie's never played by the rules. Jamie doesn't, but, like, when Jamie goes to Farm Aid or Jamie goes out and gets on stage with Chris Stapleton or gets brought out with somebody, the whole place, you could hear a pin drop in there because he could sing anything. And you're so dead on with that, Shane. Like, the world should be hearing Jamie Johnson's entire library instead of just in color. When you hear... That morning sun made its way. I can't sing, okay? I'm just a, I'm just singing for you, Shane. But when you hear that opening line of the lonesome song, like my whole body just like like melts. I'm like, oh my god, that how can a human being sound like that? Yeah, I mean it's so what is I can't think of the name of the song right off the top of my head. Uh, uh, test me, test me, bring it to me. Is it a Jamie um, song? Mowing down the roses. That's what oh. it is. Yeah, he wrote. He wrote, he wrote. Oh my God, he wrote that with another friend of mine, Jeremy Popoff, who was the founder of the '90s rock band. Rock band. Um, oh God, now you're getting me lying. Uh, Lit L I T, and they had a huge number one hit, "My Own Worst Enemy." You could go look at it. It was like number one for like 19 weeks. Jeremy Popoff. The story goes, I believe, is Jamie goes out to L A. to to get away from Nashville for a while, and he's laying on a couch talking to Jeremy about Jamie's, I think his current situation with his wife at that time and all. I don't want to get caught up in the story, but they wrote "Mowing Down the Roses" together about a breakup, and I'm just like genius, genius song. It's genius. Hey, and I saw I saw somebody do a cover of that song. I don't know if you listen. This is another one of those new, newer guys that deserves more credit. Jake Worthington. Have you ever you ever listened to Jake? Yeah. He did a cover of "Mowing Down the Roses," and it will absolutely send chills up your spine. Really? I got to look it up right now. Is it on? Is it on uh, server? I would look it up on YouTube. I know it's on his Instagram. Jake I know for is he a Texas Instagram. guy? Yeah, he's he's based out of Texas. I think he lives in Nashville now. Yeah, I I know some of, of his per, uh, of, of his personal friends. Have you ever heard of the Kinney Store in Texas? You need to look that place up. It's a it's a really cool kind of like a mini version of Lukenbach and Green Hall, but like it's one of the new places that a lot of artists are stopping by and playing when they're going through texas so 
Cody Cannon, Whiskey Myers, they're genius. You go watch them in concert. It's amazing. But he did a song by Bo Cephas one night at Duck Camp that has become my new all-time favorite Bo Cephas song. And I don't know if you've heard it, but if not, you need to check it out. It's called um, Getting or Feeling Better. And if you haven't heard it, learn it. And the it, when I look, when I talk to people about Shane, when I hear songs like this written by Hank, is how cool of a of how cool you had to be to even start a song like this, and even have the balls and guts to put it out. Like you have to be the coolest human being in the freaking country to come up with a song like this and just tell the world like. Here's what happened. Here's what I'm doing, and, and take it or leave it. Like they, they, he, I rocked him in Raleigh, knocked him out in Knoxville. Couldn't do no wrong. Like he's telling the world, like, oh, uh, I have heard this. It's off his new album. <clears throat> no, I, is it? Did he release it again? It's from 1974. No, so he just he just released uh, like a like a blues album, and I think he redid it. Did he really on the blues album? Don't don't quote me on that. I heard him talking about it on um, on um, uh, I I think it was the Bobby Bones show. I heard him talking about it. I gotta listen to that interview because it starts out just like uh, move back down to Sweet Home Alabama in 1974. Had to get away from Music City and I had to get off the road. That woman of mine, she left. And dude, I'm talking like you got to be the coolest human being to write the lyrics he wrote, whether it was all in Alabama or dinosaur or or outlaw women. And like that. And, I, and I'm, I'm transitioning into your career because the accolades that you're getting at the young age of 23, um, there's it's a weird time in country music of. Where is the country sound like where's the pedal steel? John Party's country is hell. Okay, John is the man in my opinion. Okay, I love yeah. Dylan Carmichael. I think Dylan Carmichael's country is a biscuit as well. Uh, yeah. I love your stuff. Like, there's, I think there's this little movement coming back of like, is country music have to be the melting pot of hip hop and rock and roll and all of the, and pop? Like, I don't know if country music really sounds like country music as a whole. And I know that you can't get political with me and I'm not looking at you to piss off Bobby Bones and all the radio executives at Sirius XM and and Stormy and all them. I love them. I respect them all. I think that every musician deserves to have a livelihood and make a living. I get it. But is it really country? Is country music when you go on to country music radio because the highway terms itself as country music radio. I have to go to prime country or outlaw country to hear country music. In my opinion, I'm asking you, can you answer the question? Is it country music of what's coming out of music city USA today? I'll say this. I think country music, whether it be, um, you know, through social media, like TikTok, Instagram, stuff like that. I feel like there is definitely um a wider kind of span i guess if you will and it's like well all right think of it like this me and you are both rednecks here okay so if you want to shoot a duck flying through the air you're not going to use a 308 because chances are that one bullet's not going to hit right but with that 
two-shot, three-and-a-half-inch load that you got in your 12-gauge, when it expands and all those pellets hit that duck, you're getting that wider audience. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. It's good. That's, that's a good visual. I like it. Comparison. So it's like I feel like I feel like country music as a whole is trying to expand their audience, and I feel like that's why they're doing that. Guys, Chad Belling with the Foul Life Television, the Foul Life Podcast, coming at you again, 2023, Benelli Migration Madness Sweepstakes. There's other ways to enter. The main way to enter is by going to shoot-on.com forward slash Benelli Migration Madness. Again, that is shoot-on.com forward slash Benelli Migration Madness. The other additional ways to enter, visit your local dealer and get the secret code, refer your friends, watch the current Benelli films, and so much more. Visit it again at shoot dash on.com forward slash Benelli migration madness between August 1st and October 31st, 2023 for your chance to be entered to win that $15,000 in prizes. Good luck, everybody. Um, let me ask that- you this. Th- let me ask you this though. What do you think Waylon or Don Williams? And I promise you, Bo Cephas ain't jiving with it. Okay, so what do you think the people... Okay, I know everything changes, okay? That's life. We got to transition. We got to adapt. But is Hank rolling over in his grave, Hank Sr.? Is is Waylon rolling over in his grave? Because what Waylon did for country music and what Charlie Daniels did for, you know, Southern rock and country music, they were unapologetic Mm -hmm. and... They had the fiddle. They had the pedal steel. They had the harmonies. They had the songwriting. They, I'm not saying that the songwriting's not good today. There's a lot of good songwriting out there, whether it's Morgan or Hardy or the, the stuff that's being written, like, you know, like Neil Thrasher, who's an absolute genius songwriter and should be one of the biggest artists in the world. If you haven't heard his library, look him up with Chesney. He wrote several number ones with Gary LaVox and Rascal Flatts, who's genius as well. He just wrote, uh, try that in a small town he was one of the writers on al dean's new controversial video and song that we can yeah. touch on but i mean answer me shane like would these country music artists would Waylon be jiving with what's coming out of nashville today you know that's one of those questions i really don't know because here's here's my look on it okay i personally dude i'm an old head i love that old school like Waylon, willie merle I love that stuff. But at the same time, I'm I'm I kind of have an open mind to it because it's like, well, you think about this. When Hank Jr. first started doing his own thing, away from, you know, merging off of what his daddy did, people were like, What in the hell is this? You know what I mean? But was it country though? Yes, it was country. It was but country it was, as it, hell. Yeah, it was country as hell, but it was a different kind of country. You know what I mean? Yeah, I I I I 100% understand and respect what you're saying, but I I don't understand the musicianship of how many unfreaking believable session guitarists and drummers and fiddlers there are in that city you live in and how many unbelievable talented stage presence there is with artists and musicians. To where there's so many tracks used in today's hits. That's where I'm going is like, what in the, you, what is going on? Where, where's the harmonica? Where's, where's Mickey up there playing the harmonica? Like when you listen to a Jamie Johnson set, you might as well be back in the seventies and early eighties of, of country music. There's no tracks. 
I'll say this. We've done, I think, I think we're at like a hundred and I, I'm personally, cause I have, I have some acoustic shows. I'm, I'm at over a hundred shows this year already. And we have not ran one single track. Well, there you go. Well, I went to several festivals in the last five years and a lot of them ran tracks. Oh, I know. I, I, That's all I know. I'm going. That's where I'm going. I, I promise you. Well, and hell, there's people that use auto tune and live sets too. Oh, yeah. And so let's, I mean, talk, let's talk about where, tell me right now, tell the listening audience, Shane, Profit, P R O F I T T. This cat can get after it country wise. Um, is it true that you've already sold out? the Ryman on your own? Is this a rumor or did I read that? Did I? No, I wasn't on my own. I was opening for Chris Jansen. You were with Jansen. Okay. Jansen's, uh, you can buy me a boat, uh, yep. make a drink, fix a drink, fix a drink. Jansen's cool. He's a redneck. Oh yeah. <clears throat> I like Tyler far. I like Tyler far. He's my redneck buddy. That kid can sing guy walks into a bar. I don't know if you're a Tyler Farr fan, but that dude should be, he should have been strong 20 years. And I know that he had a little bit of a vocal deal, but God dang, can Tyler Farr sing? Are you a fan? Oh, I love Tyler. And he's a really nice guy. I've met him a couple of times. Isn't he the nicest? God, he's a, all he wants to do is be in the turkey woods or the deer woods or the duck blind and be with his babies and be with his wife on his farm. But tell me where you're at. Like where, you're from Kentucky, which let's talk about some artists that are there, which, you know, no, no. we got families from Kentucky. Your family's from Kentucky. Okay. I, I was the only one in my family born here. Cause you know that the greatest songwriter of all time and all of music, probably in my opinion is from Kentucky. Do you know who I'm talking about? You talking about Keith Whitley? No, I'm talking about Chris Knight. No. Hey, I Chris Knight too. isn't Chris Knight amazing? Chris Knight is good. He's done, he's done this podcast four times. And when I listen, I, every time I have him on, I just try to break down what he was thinking when he wrote his songs. And I, yeah. and I'm just amazed at how the man comes up with the lyrics that he comes up with. He's, he's, a, he's stout. Yeah. One well, again, it's like, why do these guys not get enough credit? For, well, <clears throat> you go back to 19, you go back to, I believe, 1999, and you listen to his self-entitled album, Chris Knight, and it's got cool. framed on there, and It Ain't Easy Being Me, and The River. <clears throat> he went to Nashville, and he recorded that, and I know the story and who he did it with, and um, they they thought that he could not be radio-friendly, and I'm like, dude, these songs are some of the best songs to ever come out of any genre of music in the history of the world. Like, How could he have not been the 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 time of that time of transitioning from the 90s into the 2000s maybe it was going away from that traditional sound at the time i don't know but go do yourself a favor shane and if you haven't listened to that song that album 1999 it's called it's called chris knight and just listen to every song and you're just like this is absolutely genius how did he come up with that line oh yeah i've i've listened uh i actually listened to it ain't easy being me I listened to that on the plane coming home yesterday. <laughs> um, that song, and then I want you to listen to another one, and then I want to get back to your music. His last album, 
Um, he's got a duet that he does on there with Leanne Womack, whose husband produced it. Send it on down. Have you heard it? Uh-uh. I've okay, never go, heard that. Go download. Send it on down. It says duet. He wrote it. Um, Leanne actually put it out on one of her albums. Her husband, Frank, Leanne's husband was the Frank. Frank Liddell produced the 1999 album, Chris Knight. He's the one that brought Chris Knight to Nashville from Kentucky. Um, he tells stories about driving up to Chris's property and being like, who in the hell would live here? Chris is the real deal, right? Like he don't give a shit and go listen to send it on down and really pay attention to the second verse. And then we'll stay in touch after this. And I want you to tell me, Oh, wow. That, 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 that just sent chills up and down my spine, but a lot of, a lot of his songs do, but you're on your way now being 23 years old. Um, what is your forte like without doing research on you, which I have done some, but I try not to do a lot. Cause I just like conversation. Do you love writing? Before I'm an artist, I'm a songwriter. Do you love co-writes or can you do it on your own? I can do it on my own. Um, and I've done many on my own. Uh, but I will, I will say this. What's so cool about this town is all these other songwriters that have the same dream as you, you know, it's like when, when you sit down in a room and you have this idea and say, you just start writing this idea. It is, it's very, very cool to have somebody that's sitting beside you say, Hey, what if we go to the flat seven right here instead of, you know, that or whatever. And then same thing lyrically, like, you may be you may be talking about one thing and then somebody else may say, Hey, well let's let's try this, see how this sounds. I really, really enjoy co-writes, but I also really enjoy just writing by myself because I'm not really one to talk about my feelings. You know, I'm just like a big burly, hard headed dude. And it's like I kind of lean on songwriting to talk about how I'm feeling at the time. Um when you mention your feelings, do you give me an overview of your songwriting so the audience can understand? Are you a ballad guy? Are you a cold beer in the cooler songwriter? Are you a let's drop a tailgate and have a party in a cornfield? Are you let's have a county fight and we're going to come across the county line and fight you guys over there? Um, give me an overview because there's I just named like a couple different parts and segments of songwriting um are you a hot chick coming out of the water and and beads of water running down her tan legs are you um are you or are you more of i might have got caught by the cops last night because the marijuana deal went down across the tracks and they weren't supposed to see it do you write about that kind of stuff what kind of songwriter are you i don't i don't want this to sound generic at all but i'm a i'm a songwriter like you named off all those, I'm whatever I'm feeling in that moment. It's not just like one thing or another. Are you drinking out? Of, what is that? That is a uh, a Gator Coolers Foul Life edition. I'll send you one, buddy. That's a the logo of our TV show, The Foul Life, and um, that's a, a whole gallon of water that I just I fill it up twice a day and try to stay hydrated. Yeah, hey, you know, that's all. I, I visit I visit a place south of you a little bit called Lynchburg quite a few times a year. We have a, a big time national partnership, Jack Daniels. Let me throw out a big old uh 
shout out. This episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody with the man, Shane Prophet, is brought to you once again by our title sponsor, Tennessee Sour Mash Whiskey. Enjoy it responsibly. Never allow underage drinking. Jack Daniels, Lynchburg, Tennessee. Every single drop. Shane, did you know this? That Jack Daniels is sold in 175 countries around the world. And every single drop is made in Lynchburg, Tennessee. To the fact that there's 2 million barrels of Jack Daniels on site right now. There's enough whiskey in all 100 barrel houses in Lynchburg, Tennessee. To fill up two Olympic-sized swimming pools of that sweet Tennessee Sour Mash whiskey. The Gentleman Jack, the Jack Old Number 7, the Single Barrel, the Tennessee Fire, the Apple, the Honey, the Frank Sinatra, the Gold 27, the New Bonded, the New Triple Mash. Every single drop, and I'm not going to say that the flavors, the Apple, the Cinnamon, the Honey are made in Lynchburg, but every drop of that Tennessee Sour Mash whiskey in 175 countries, every bottle you see in airports, on airplanes, the little minis, every bottle you see at every bar on Broadway or in Midtown or in Franklin or at the Bluebird or anywhere that you go in country country towns across the world, every drop is made in Lynchburg, Tennessee. That's a little education for you, my man, Shane. I had no idea. I'm sitting here looking at three Jack Daniel bottles right now. You're my <laughs> man right there. That's If I turn my camera around, I'm looking at three Jack Daniels barrels with bottles on top of them. Our, our association relationship and friendship with Jack Daniels goes back nine years now and we just came back from doing another barrel selection down there Shane and I had a great songwriter two of my favorite songwriters of all time are from the state of Georgia and the state of Alabama one's named from Alabama who I just had come and do a show for me at Lynchburg his name's Adam Hood and then I have another good friend from Georgia named Brent Cobb who is probably the new Chris Knight of our generation if you want to cry and you want to hear an album that should be heard by the world, Mr. Shane Provitt, go download Brent Cobb, C-O-B-B, and it's called Shine On Rainy Day. And listen to that song, Shine On Rainy Day. And then I want you to stay in touch with me on that one, too, and go, man, that's another one right there. Chris Knight and Brent Cobb. Uh, if you haven't gotten in a room with Brent Cobb, I promise you you're going to want to because the dude is mad scientist. And uh, I hope that you get to hear his library. So thank you, Jack Daniels. Um but when you're, you know, you're talking about songwriting, talk to me, Shane, like, give me a lyric that you've come up with lately. That's, that's one that you would hang your hat on and tell me how they come about. All right. Literally last night I started one in my living room. It's, it's going to, I haven't finished writing it, but the hook, the hook in itself sent chills down my spine when we wrote it down. The hook says, I made a million dollars worth of memories when I didn't have a penny to my name. Ooh, I like it. This is living life to the fullest when you don't need a mansion or a vet or a big truck, or you just need your little John boat and you might need a little F-150 to pull it to the creek and you might need a fishing rod or your granddaddy's 243, a deer hanging back straps yep. i mean that is cool buddy i like that yeah uh i'm trying to think how i, I had some ideas in my mind or uh, i hadn't really wrote anything down but uh like happy as a tick on an old on an old coon dog uh uh middle class living high on a hog uh and then you know you just start naming off all this all the actually i probably need to write that down that's pretty cool but anyways, what, middle class living high on a hog. Yeah. Middle class. 
middle class living home. Oh, yeah, something like that. But just the hook in itself sent chills down my spine when I wrote it down. You know, because it's like, man, yeah, a new truck drives better than an old one sometimes. But it's like, you don't need all this stuff. Like, dude, 15 months ago, I was working for the city of Columbia, and now I have a record deal on top 15 songs. Where were you born again? Remind me one more time. I'm sorry. Columbia, Tennessee. Columbia, Tennessee. So you're a Tennessee boy. Your family's from Kentucky. This song is relatable to your childhood and your adolescence and your teenage years and not having anything. And now where does the, where does the guts come to move to Nashville? How did you know that you needed to move? Because this is, this is a big, this is a big deal because just like Manhattan is full of people that went to New York to become part of Broadway that are now singing at cafes and stuff. That's a yep. lot of people in Broadway that went there to make it and they're still trying to make it. And there's so much talent. You wonder how they all don't make it and how they get chosen to make it. But where, what went through your mind? Do was it your mom and dad pushing you? Was it your friends saying, dude, you sound unreal around the fire. You got to move. Yeah. Well, so I actually still live in Columbia too. I'm, I'm like, I can be in Nashville. Like whenever we get off this podcast, I actually do have to go to Nashville. It takes me about an hour and 10 minutes. Hour and so 10 it's not, minutes. It's not bad. Um, but, you know, I just, man, on top of working for the city, I was playing all these little gigs around town as I could. Anybody that would have me. And there's a little place here called Puckett's. Puckett's oh, yeah. Restaurant. Oh, yeah. And I would go in there and... I think really when it kind of started setting in like, Hey, I could make a living out of this is whenever I started playing puckets pretty frequently, like once a month and I sold it out like five months in a row. And, you know, it was like, I think that was kind of the turning point where I was like, you know, Hey, people, people enjoy this. I enjoy it. I might, I might want to make something of this scoreboard you love nashville it's music city it's the hobbs family it's music valley it's not lower broadway but it's the hot chicken it's the outside deck it's the bartenders the server all the servers all the servers as a whole and then the menu unbelievable the fried pickles the hot chicken salad the hot chicken and the fries like I, i'm going there next week but man i'm telling you that outer deck the live music it's an awesome place and then they got the provider right wing sauce there they're using our rubs there it's going to be amazing. Scoreboard, Nashville. So that's when I really started putting my head down. And I actually met Chris Jansen at a sushi restaurant. And what's, a, what's a redneck like you doing at a sushi restaurant? I thought y'all considered that bait. I do. <laughs> I, hey, for the record, I'm addicted to sushi. Like I eat sushi like it's going out of style. I go to rock and roll sushi once in a while in Nashville. There's better still- places. No, I still don't eat sushi, but so here's, here's kind of, here's kind of the story. So nowhere in my little hometown sells guitar strings. So anytime I need anything to do with music, I have to drive 45 minutes north of Nashville. That's the closest guitar center to where I live. And I was trying to be slick and kill two birds with one stone and make a date out of going to get guitar strings with this girl. And I told her I'd take her out to eat wherever she wanted. So we went to Guitar Center. It was a 45-minute ride. I run in. I get my strings. I come back out, and I hopped in the truck, asked her what she wanted to eat. 
she said that she wanted sushi and the thought of it. Yeah. I mean, I'd never tried it before and the thought of it just turned my stomach, but she was a real pretty girl. And I wasn't going to be like, no, let's go to my There's a song in there somewhere right there. No, I know. There's a song in that somewhere about, Hey, it might be sushi, but she's real pretty. So there's a song in there. I'm not, I'm not real keen on it. (laughs) Well, I didn't mean it like that, Shane. I don't know why you're laughing. (laughs) I didn't mean it like that. I meant the actual. No, 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 you did. (laughs) No, I meant form of chopsticks and, and sushi. Like I'm being for real. There's a song about your date. Yeah, <laughs> there's a song about what men are willing to go through because she's pretty. Oh all because God. she's all because she's pretty. No, <laughs> that's what I meant. Don't be putting words in my mouth now, Shane Provitt. <laughs> so I am a big sushi fan. I'm a raw fish guy. I love it all. I don't, I'm not a roll guy. I don't eat the rolls. I eat the sashimi and the the nigiri. So um, you move there. Where is the success coming from? How how does it happen that all of a sudden one of the biggest labels in town on 16th and 17th Avenue, which is considered Music Row, or at one time in the history of Nashville, it was. Everything's changed in that area now, but that's still considered Music Row. How how does this come about that you land a deal with Big Machine? Yeah, so literally we go to the sushi restaurant and Chris Jansen holds the door for me when we went to walk in. And I'd been to seven concerts my whole life, and to see Chris Jansen was five of the seven. And I ended up going up to him, introducing myself, telling him what a fan I was and that I wrote songs, and that it would mean the world to me if he would listen to some of the music I'd been writing. Well, his wife was sitting right beside him and spoke up and said, hey, I'm Kelly, I'm Chris's wife. I'm also his manager, and I'm also a music publisher. And then she said, is that seat you're holding in your hand? I'll write my email down on it. You can send us some songs you've written and you'll have our word. We'll listen to them. I was like, yes, ma'am. That'd be great. Thank you. And Chris immediately looked up at me and he said, did you just say yes, ma'am? And I said, yes, sir. And he said, I like that. Pull up a chair and talk to me. So I did. Well, we sat there for over an hour and we talked about songwriting, and anything you can imagine. We talked about it. Fast forward. I got up from that table and literally as soon as I got out in the parking lot, I sent some songs that I'd written to that email his wife had given me. And I included my phone number and I said, Hey, if you ever need anything, just give me a call. And I included my phone number at the bottom of the email. Fast forward two weeks later, I was at work. I was weed eating in the median of the road in my hometown. And I felt my phone ringing. I looked at my phone caller ID said, Chris Jansen. And he said, hey, what are you doing? I said, well, you know, it's a Tuesday morning at 9 o'clock, like most people, I'm at work. What are you, you know, what are you doing? He goes, well, I want you to put your two-week notice in and come out on tour with me. So I did. So I went out on tour with Chris. He also offered me a publishing deal, which means you get to write songs for other artists and stuff. Well, on that tour was that sold-out show at the Ryman Auditorium. The night of the rhyming is when I got my record deal. Because Scott Borchetta was sitting out in the audience, and we had a meeting with them the day before. Is Chris with Big Machine? He is now. He Why, was, with was Scott. Was Scott there to look at him to maybe make him a deal? No. So we had a meeting 
with Scott the night before the rhyming because they had heard some of the songs I'd written. Well, <clears throat> Scott ended up asking, he was like, Hey, have you got a couple of tickets? I'd like to come watch you tomorrow night at the rhyming. Well, I had four comp tickets. I had one for my mom, one for my dad. And then I gave two to Scott Borchetta. So Scott was sitting right beside my parents all night. Well, Anyways. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm looking this, I'm trying to find some stuff on you. It's, say that last part again. You got a certain amount of tickets because you're your opening act. Yeah, how did how did how do you get them to Scott Brichetta again? We because we had a we had a meeting with Scott the night or the day before, and I played them some songs. They wanted to like we had a meeting with them trying to get me a record deal, and they were kind of like, uh, eh, you know, it was kind of up in the air. But Scott said he would like to come see me at the Ryman Auditorium. So I gave him two of my comp tickets, two of my four comp tickets. One went to my mom, one went to my dad, and two went to Scott Borchetta. And wow. so I played a 45-minute acoustic set, just me and my guitar at the Ryman Auditorium, and I got two standing ovations that night. And whenever, whenever I got off stage and I was walking backstage – I look and Scott Borchetta was walking backstage and he stuck his hand out and he said, welcome to the machine team. No way. Yeah. That made, I just got chills, dude. Goosebumps, yeah, no pun intended. So he, you're in the backstage area of the Ryman or you're walking out of the Ryman? No, I was, I was at the backstage area of the Ryman. Scott Bruschetta walks up to you after you give him two of your tickets, which is a weird story because you think Scott Bruschetta would just be able to walk into the Ryman, right? If he wanted to, but I think it's cool that you actually gave him, who did he bring his wife? Oh, uh, no, he brought uh Julian Raymond, my A&R guy now. Your A&R. Okay. So now there, you got another big machine representative sitting next to him. That's, that's kind of a cool story that he's there on your comp tickets for being the opener that Chris Jansen gave you an opportunity with, and you end yep. up getting welcome to the big machine and getting drafted into the major leagues and going to their office and signing a contract, I assume in the next couple of weeks after uh, that. Literally. So that was on a Thursday night. We had, uh, that Ryman show that Thursday, we were somewhere else on Saturday and somewhere else. Or no, we were coming home on Sunday. And then Monday morning, we went in and signed the contract. Man, congratulations. Thank you, man. <laughs> it's a Cinderella story. Like, honestly, it really is. Like, it does not happen like that at all. God, I, I can't imagine. Like, this is the part that's so awesome is the phone call when you're in the media and weed eating for the county of ja or for the town of for the town of uh columbia tennessee you're weed eating yeah. in your phone how you must have had it on vibrate to even hear it you know because the weed eater is probably well, too I, loud i had, in. I had oh, my headphones you're listening to music it. while you're weed eating yeah it would have been an even better story if you were listening to uh maybe like low cash i love this life that chris jansen wrote for them that would have been yeah. kind of a cool tie-in yeah 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 yeah, yeah. i uh, honestly I don't remember what I was listening to. I want to say it was probably like, I'm sure it was probably Brooks and Dunn or Merle Haggard, something like that. Ugh, I love it. I love Ronnie Dunn's voice. Um, I get to go to the Ryman pretty soon. Check this weekend out that I'm getting ready to have, and we're going to 
hopefully me and you can stay in touch and we can have a beer when I get there. I'm coming in the weekend of August 26th, whatever that weekend is. I'll come in on that Thursday probably. Do some business on Friday, and then that Saturday, Guns N' Roses sold out the soccer stadium. So I'm going to watch Axel and Slash, and I'm a groupie of Guns N' Roses. Like, I've been, I'm older than you. They're the best band of all time in the history of the world, in my opinion. I say it on this podcast all the time. And then that Monday, my good friend Drake White, who used to be with Big Machine, he put out an album called Spark, which is one of the finest country albums song by song in the last 10 years. Um, He's having his benefit, you know. He had uh, Drake had an incident happen to him in Virginia a few years ago with his brain, and he's having Randy Hauser, who is one of the best singers in Nashville, in my opinion. Jamie jo- Riley Green and Jamie Johnson are playing the rhyming with Drake White on that Monday night, and I'm going to that. When is that? August 28th, Monday night at the Ryman. Jamie Johnson, Randy Hauser, Riley Green, Drake White, and other uh, guests to be announced, but those are the four ones that are playing for sure. When you can count on seeing me there if I'm if I'm in town. Cause... You gotta you gotta be there, man. I'm going. I got I'm I'm rolling. Oh. What were you saying? What was that? You cut out. I said you can count on me being there if if I'm off the road because that's an awesome lineup. Isn't that gonna be cool? Yeah, that's going to be awesome. Um, Randy Hauser, another one. Another one that went underground, gets noticed, gets a big deal, has hits on the radio, and then kind of says, I don't know if I really dig this. I'm going to go back to just doing my thing. And I don't know, like, man, when you listen to him sing, even when it was back in the days of going out with my boots on and and, and, and those songs – um, whistling Dixie and then his stuff that he did on his new album of that. I'm going to let whiskey do what whiskey does. Um, yeah. I, it, it, can he, he like, he can sing his ass off, man. Oh, it's unbelievable. Like, uh, I'm trying to think I've had probably at least five or six shows with Randy over the last few months. Good for you, man, dude. He's just, Oh my gosh. There's a there's a song you need to listen to. I'll send it to you that he's written, and I'm trying to get him to cut it. I heard him sing it for the first time ever. He had just got off the bus and just written it, and he played it at this show we were playing. We were playing an acoustic show for a radio station, and uh, I think it's called Cancel. It's like... Um, cancel i'm looking it up to see if it's been released it's it it hasn't i can assure you it hadn't it's like living this life that the devil wants to cancel because it's talking about him being a family man and all this stuff oh man writer top-notch guy and one of the best voices in country music i was lucky enough two or three years ago maybe the year of covid getting out 2021 graceland in the house of elvis randy and jamie on the stage at the same time going back and forth they did that tour the cadillac tour they did it two years in a row i saw it in uh i saw it in memphis and i saw it in vegas and i'm talking like chills man chills yeah i would i'd pay a lot of money to see that we'll stay stay in we'll stay in touch and i want you to come to that show um I think it's going to be amazing. The rhyme and Monday night, that's going to be a heck of a lineup and the, those voices will kill it. What are you, we talked about you're a songwriter first. Are you a picker? 
Are you a guitar what? player? Are you a strummer yeah. that sings, or can you absolutely pick up a guitar and wow me on an acoustic guitar? I can't. I I can't wow you. I would say um, I'm more of a more of a keep time and pick and grin kind of person. I mean, there's there is certain licks like you know if I have if I have an hour and I can listen to something, I can figure it out. But it's like, I'm not, I'm not like the Billy strings of guitar. You know what I mean? Right. Um, do you, do you want to become, obviously everybody wants to become better at everything in their craft, but is guitar playing one of the things that you want to be able to be like, Jamie Johnson can absolutely rip a guitar. Vince Gill. Do you want to be Brad Paisley or Keith Urban kind of talent? Do you want to get that good? Yeah, absolutely. I've I've always said when, you know, when things start slowing down this year actually, I was going to take, you know, pick and let uh um kind of kind of help out, you know, cuz not only do I want to write good songs and and put on a good show, I want to be a good performer too, and I feel like that's part of it. Um, uh, you know, being able to grab that grab that electric guitar and absolutely shred. So I definitely want to be the best I can be at anything I'm going to do. You put out an album this year, and uh, I believe this would be considered an EP. Is that yep. an extended play? Does that stand for extended play? EP yeah. and LP. EP. I really I, don't know. EP. I don't know. I don't know what EP stands for, honestly. Still picks up. Released. Yep. On June 30th, 2023. Folks, we're talking a month old. Um, still picks up is the first song, how it ought to be country boys, better off fishing guys like me. So we're going to go into the Jack Daniels hot seat, Shane. We're going to ask a couple questions. I want quick answers, quick answers. If you, uh, come home from a writing session and you're happy as hell, do you reach for a cold beer or a Jack Daniels? Uh, cold beer. You're a cold beer kind of guy. Do you like writing songs about cold beer? Uh, it depends on what kind of mood I'm in. Do you think Luke Combs is a hell of an artist? Absolutely. Do you like the idea of being on the road? Are you a road warrior? Do you like the idea of going and doing 80, 100 shows a year? I know you're young, but does that get you off right now? You love the road? I love it. Uh, I've been out on the road 26 days of the last 31 days. Where do you play next? Do you come out west at all? Uh, yeah i'm in missouri tomorrow missouri that's a little bit west um do you when you think about the greatest country singer of all time who is it uh merle haggard if you have if you got put on death row what would your final meal be mama's chicken mama's chicken yeah is it fried chicken uh well it depends she makes a really good chicken casserole. Too. Chicken uh, casserole and mama's fried chicken. We had really good steaks too. So who knows? And my dessert would be cheesecake. You're a cheesecake kind of guy. Love cheesecake. All right. Let's end it by this. You got a great EP that just came out at the end of June, 2023. You're going back and forth from Columbia, Tennessee to Nashville, music city, Tennessee. Um, big machine label you're on big machine records scott bruschetta the story behind big machines awesome um i want to send a shout out to toby keith continue to get better toby keith 
what is your opinion going on with this song? You're from a small town. What is the what's going on here? Did CMT mess up? Are you able to talk about that? Did the team at Big Machine and your press team say, "Hey, don't mention it"? But like this song's number one as of today. It's number one on the Billboard all genre music. Jason Aldean's probably never had a number one on Billboard. Um, this song's video comes out. People go nuts. They want to cancel it. The song doesn't have one thing bad about it in any of the lyrics. What's your opinion about what's going on with Try That in a Small Town? I'll be as honest as I can be. I've been on the road 26 of the last 31 days. I really don't know anything about it. Like, I know, obviously, what what is happening, but I, I haven't listened to the song. I haven't. I think something was wrong with the video or something. I haven't even watched the video. Yeah, it's going to be hard. Might be able to find it on YouTube. It's been taken down. But, yeah, there's some controversy over the news clips and stuff that were used in that video um several artists have come back and 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 defended jason and taken their videos and their deals their workings with cmt off of the table so um just another thing another part of cancel culture but man shane thank you for coming on we got to do this again absolutely we need to go duck hunting oh well you be ready i'm gonna get you an invite and you're gonna come out and bring that guitar and we're gonna get the benelli's and we're gonna be like <laughs> Get ready. Get ready, Shane. Get ready. Get ready. Get him. That's what yep. it's going to be. And then yep. we're going to write, they'll try to write a song together about Duck Camp and make it not tacky. It. We're not going to be tacky about it. We're going to do it right. Let's do it. Thanks for coming on, my brother. Thank you, man. I had a blast. We're going to go out. We are going to go out with, I got to hear this one. I, I love the idea and I've listened to it about 10 times. I want the audience to hear better off fishing. We're going to leave you another episode of this life ain't for everybody. The great, the up and coming Shane profit, big machine label, get his new EP right now. Still picking up and great songs on there. We're going to go out with one off of that better off fishing, find him on the road, go support this cat born in the state of Tennessee. His family's from the great state of Kentucky where the horses run and the bourbon trail goes and leads down down to the best whiskey in the world jack daniels thank you jack daniels for another powerful episode of this life ain't for everybody if you look on the shirts on the back at losers if you look at the sign on the wall at losers that used to be behind the bar mr shane prophet in midtown nashville tennessee in 2008 i walked in there for the first time and i saw those words this life ain't for everybody and that's how i i trademarked it right then and there and that's how this title came about and we're working on a new tv show also called this life ain't for everybody it can mean anything the honky tonks and broadway and that coming up in the country music scene ain't for everybody it's a rough go you get a lot of fomo missing out and i don't want to miss out i can't wait to get back to the scoreboard another's partner of ours in music valley tennessee the Whiskey Bent Saloon on Lower Broadway, the Nashville Palace that has been the birthplace of so many great Nashville country music acts, including Jerry Reed, including Randy Travis. A lot of pro- I've seen a lot of artists play that stage. Thank you, Barrett Hobbs, the Hobbs family. Hospitality industry in Nashville is second to none, and we owe it all to the scoreboard in the Nashville Palace and Whiskey Bent for being supporting sponsors of This Life Ain't For Everybody. I'm Chad Belling for Shane Profit. We'll be back at you with another episode. In the meantime, again, here is Shane Profit, Better Off Fishing. Hey! She had the 
and smile. I fell farther than a country mile. That heartbreak woman put a hurt on me. Never got to give her that diamond ring. I skipped that rock and watched it sink. I'd rather be out in the middle of a big lake, sipping on six on a flat rock bank, catching them catfish all day, far away from the missing and the bitching. Honestly, baby, I'm better off fishing. Hey! Honestly, baby, I'm better off fishing. Honestly, baby, I'm better off fishing. 